is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, July 5th, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. Taylor Schwink is working from the Schwink Studios. Sir Abbott is working from the hangar on Buster Only. Actually, guys, working from the Minneapolis airport. It's the first time I've ever been to one of these uh, soundproof booths that they have in some of these new lounges, uh, airline lounges. And this is pretty sweet, I gotta say. This is might be the best airport setup you've ever had? Ever. Not even close. Mm-hmm. Well, now you now, know. I mean, not, now, you know, it's, and I, actually, the Minneapolis airport for us has been pretty good. Normally, I find this spot between gate six, uh, C6 and gate C7, right next to a vending machine, and we get relative quiet there, but nothing compared to this. This is awesome. Like, I almost like, uh, you know, when the, uh, the person who was using this before me came out of there, I almost like, you know, was like ready to fend people off, you know, uh, <laughs> or throwing stuff at them. Like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be in here. You're waving your microphone around. Get back. Get back. Get back. <laughs> Don't even think about it. It's, it's going to be a massive standoff. And people have passed looking at me like, how long is that gonna guy, that guy going to be in there? Uh, did you guys happen to see Sarah Langs at Yankee Stadium yesterday? Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. So, so touching. Sarah Lings is the best. I know she says baseball is the best, but Sarah Lings is by far the best. Yeah, she was up there, saw her on the podium, on the fields. Uh, Garrett Cole presenting her with the signed baseball is the best t-shirt. That was tough for me because I love Sarah. And now <laughs> that Garrett Cole has been exceedingly nice to her, I'm reconsidering my stance on him, at least off the field. Yeah, and I'm going to be asking Brian Cashman, the, the Yankees general manager, is going to join us today. And I'm going to ask him about that and about yesterday, about Aaron Judge's injury, about the the trade deadline market that's beginning to develop. Here's Michael Kay, the Yankees play-by-play announcer on the Yes Network, about Sarah exchanging lineup cards at the Yankees game. A very special first pitch, Sarah Langs of ESPN. Her parents threw out the first pitches here at Yankee Stadium, and she's helping exchange the lineup cards. Uh, she is afflicted with ALS, and the Yankees honored her for all the awareness that she has raised on the disease and the money as well, and many other women that also have ALS, the disease that struck down Lou Gehrig 84 years ago today. Lou Gehrig made the luckiest man in the world speech at Yankee Stadium. So Sarah Langs, rightfully honored. She is handling this with the bravery that um, just startles you. It just it just takes your breath away how amazing she is uh, going through all of this. Yeah, and I think today, and I'm just uh, making this up on the fly, Taylor, let's finish today's show with Lou Gehrig's speech, which was okay. just amazing, you know, as amazing as Sarah is. Here's Sarah talking about the importance of raising awareness about ALS. This is so, so important to put a spotlight on young women with ALS to show them not everyone looks like Lou Gehrig, but even Lou Gehrig, as I've been saying a lot of last month, is not your typical case. He was much younger than the average ALS patient. He is not in that normal demographic either. So anything we can do to shine a light on this disease, the funding it needs, and the incredible people who are involved in this community, I'm just so grateful. And again, so grateful to this organization. So thank you. On this 4th of July, the Yankees played the Orioles. And former Yankee Aaron Hicks has been hearing booze in Yankee Stadium this week cut into the Yankees' lead in the top of the fifth inning. 
is driven into right field. Back goes Bowers to the track, to the wall. Gone, a home run for Aaron Hicks, and here come the Boo Birds again in New York. As Hicks will touch them all for the sixth time this year, Baltimore's on the board. It's 3-1. to one. And from ESPN Radio, the Orioles tied the score 3-all. Then in the bottom of the fifth inning, Giancarlo Stanton did this. Pitch, swinging a ground ball, trying to sneak through, and it does. It's past the diving shortstop, Henderson. And with Torres on the move, he turns around third. The ball is dropped at the cutoff, and sliding in safe at the plate is Glaber Torres, who goes first to home, and the Yankees lead it 4-3. to three. And the Yankees went on to win that game 8-4. to four. What a terrible day for the Angels on Tuesday. Before the game, they announced that Mike Trout had suffered a broken hamate taking a swing in Monday's game. Then in the fourth inning, Anthony Rendon slammed a foul ball off his left shin. He had to come out of the game. And then in the bottom of the sixth inning, Jake Cronenworth came to the plate this after Xander Bogarts hit a home run. Stepping up to the plate is Cronenworth. He drives one deep into right center, and that one will leave. So back-to-back pitches and back-to-back homers, and now it's 5-1 San Diego. And that, of course, was with Shohei Otani on the mound, and this happened next. Uh, now they're going to take a look at Shohei. Of course, he had that uh, cracked fingernail in the uh, most recent start. And that's why he was pushed back a day in the rotation. And now we'll see what might be uh, going on as he's going to be uh, checked out. Yeah, Nevin is out there as well. And I think they're looking at his uh, fingers. Yep, yeah, looking at that fingernail. If the Angels haven't had enough uh, injury issues, now Otani's going to leave. And we're speculating it's the fingernail again. So he is going to be taken out. Angels Radio, AM 830. The Padres beat the Angels in this game 8-5. to And afterward, Angels manager Phil Nevin talked about Otani not taking his last at-bat. Did Otani not take that last at-bat because of the blister, or was it preventative, or the score? I knew it was sore. I knew, you know, I just told him to come upstairs. You know, at the point I told him to come up, it was 7-1 to one or so. And, you know, good to, with the lefty on the mound, it was good to get Joe in at-bat. Took a nice swing, hit the ball good. Um... So, but no, it wasn't the finger. It was, you know, just where the game was at the time. He also talked about Otani's cracked fingernail. It's my understanding, you know, we're putting an acrylic nail on there because of where it's uh, cracked. So, and that might have just irritated the the skin on the side of the finger. Um, just to felt like he didn't have command of his pitches going into the sixth. Um, we talked before he went out, and he said he felt he felt good. He warmed up, and he, he gave me a thumbs up out there, but. You know, obviously, a few pitches in. When you try to get on some balls, it probably feels a little bit different, and, and it affected some pitches there, yeah. Do you think it will impact his ability to hit I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's just the tip of his middle finger, and I think he's going to be fine. Which is good for us because there's a chance he's going to start in the first Sunday night game after the All-Star break. The Angels would be the host with that. Otani, speaking through a translator, answered the question about whether this injury will affect his hitting and pitching moving forward. いや、今日はそうですね、もう直近だったので交代しましたけど、もう様子見て出れるところは出たいなと思ってますし、ま、次の登板までちょっと空くので、そこまでしっかりまずは直したいなと思ってます。いや、あの、I came out of the game because I was
Well, on the pitching side, I have like nine days, nine to ten days when the next starts, so hopefully I can heal it by then. And he was asked about pitching in next week's All-Star game. So it's not going to be able to get a little bit of a I think it's going to be pretty tough, and for, as of now, I'm planning on not pitching in the game. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals and the hottest tickets. Experience it live. And look, a great ticket these days, any ticket involving the Atlanta Braves who were in Cleveland facing the Guardians. And in the top of the ninth inning, Atlanta trailed 5-4 to four when this happened. 0-2 pitch, and Albies in the air to right. Going back is Brennan. On the track, at the wall, gone, tie game. Ozzie Albies hits it out. And a two-homer night, 5-5. The Braves have pulled even. It was Roxy Bernstein on ESPN Radio. They went into extras. The Braves had a chance to take the lead, and then this happened. 1-2. Swing and a soft liner, shallow left center, racing over and in. A straw makes the catch, tagging. Hilliard breaks to the plate, throws a strike to the plate, and out trying to score. Is Hilliard thrown out by Miles Straw? Hilliard hobbles for the Braves dugout after trying to score in a shallow fly to left center. It was still 5-5, bottom of the 10th inning. David Fry at the plate. 0-1 on Fry. The pitch, line drive to left, hustling over back toward the corner. The Cubs faced the Brewers, beat them 7-6 in 11 innings. And after the game, David Ross, the Cubs manager, was unhappy about a lot of stuff. I think, yeah, there was some frustration. You know, it was big. There, You know, there's no secret in, in moments. And, you know, these guys, you can only, you know, I'm, I'm trying to balance um, the emotions and continue to, to have these guys execute and have good at-bats. And it just wasn't very good. And I, I, we made that known, and some guys were starting to get frustrated. And, you know... I know it's not an easy job, but there's there's just there, there's some of the, the pitches that got called today just weren't even close, and so um, it's got to be better. You know, they're closing the roof to get rid of the shadows. Late, there's a lot of that went on today that just was really frustrating. The Blue Jays face the White Sox, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., one of the names uh, who's going to be involved in the home run derby, did this in the top of the eighth inning. The two-one. That's hit up the right field line, headed towards the corner, back at the wall, and it's gone! Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with a go-ahead homer in the eighth. And the Blue Jays have a 4-3 lead on the south side. That from Sportsnet 590, the fan, the Blue Jays won that game 4-3. All kinds of news and notes coming out of yesterday. The Padres trying to shape their roster with Matt Carpenter, who basically serves as a DH, decided to designate slugger Nelson Cruz for assignment. Uh, this is someone who has been one of the consistent home run leaders in baseball over the last 20 years. The Blue Jays announced that they're going to recall Alec Manoa to start against the Tigers on Friday. He was sent down June 6 after struggling in the first part of this season. The Dodgers' Dustin May is going to need elbow surgery again, to this time to repair the flexor tendon in his right elbow 
Uh, that's going to happen on July 18th. He's someone who missed much of the 2021 and 22 seasons after undergoing Tommy John surgery. So a long road back for Dustin May. The Dodgers placed all-star ace Clayton Kershaw on the 15-day injured list. He has what he's described as kind of a cranky left shoulder. The Twins reinstated starter Pablo Lopez from the injured list. He'd been dealing with some health, uh, mental health uh, issues, and so it's good to see that he's back. The Mets, who took that series over the weekend against the Giants, faced the Diamondback on Tuesday. The score was tied for all top of the seventh inning, and this happened. 18th pitch of the inning from Castro. Slide step, delivers, swung on, crushed. Left center field and deep. Carroll and Thomas going back. They'll turn. They are spectators. Over the seats in left center field, into the walkway, Francisco Alvarez. A two-run go-ahead home run. And the Mets take a 6-4 lead on Francisco Alvarez's 14th of the season. That from WCBS. The Mets win the game 8-5. The Phillies have been playing well. They faced the Rays, and Aaron Nola was terrific again. 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. It's a dozen for Nola to match his career high. Matched up against his good buddy Zach Eflin and Nola with seven scoreless innings on the hill today in St. Pete. What a performance by Aaron Nola. That from Sports Radio 94 WIP. And the St. Louis Cardinals trying to get some traction. Face the Marlins. Adam Wainwright on the mound. We've talked about his struggles uh, in on the podcast uh, in recent days. This is what happened in the bottom of the first inning. Here's Jesus Sanchez, and he swings and hits a ball in the air. Center field. Newt Bar's going back. He's looking up. See you later. Jesus Sanchez, a three-run bomb. His eighth of the season. It's 3 nothing Miami here in the first. 940 WINZ. The Marlins went on to win 15-2. to and after the game, Wainwright, who has a 7.66 ERA, uh, went on the injured list. We're going to be hearing from Derek Gould, who covers the Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, about what's next for Adam Wainwright, what's next for the Cardinals, and we'll be talking about Mike Trout's injury and whether or not the Angels might be nudged into perhaps considering trading Shohei Otani. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, another plug for SV Pod with Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve. They're talking to Olympic gold medalist uh, swimmer Tom Dolan, who lives in Northern Virginia, near where Scott lives. They ran each other uh, on the pool deck. A lot of uh, great discussion between those guys, um, you know, from a gold medal winner, uh, how he coaches his kids in swimming. Uh, pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, really enjoyed it. Check it out. SV Pod, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, 
and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Frank Cashman is the general manager of the New York Yankees, and he was at Yankee Stadium yesterday when our friend Sarah Langs was honored. Brian, what was that like? You know, the event itself, you're sorry you have to have an event like that, but uh, but Sarah is, you know, someone that can attract attention and drive, you know, even further awareness so we can get ahead of this disease finally and solve it some way, somehow. And, you know, she's she's been an impactful difference maker. People have got a chance to get to know her, you know, um, realize what an amazing person she is. And obviously in the baseball community, you know, she's found her way uh, and she's been a ray of light and for, for others because of, you know, being a woman, you know, finding her way in, in an industry that historically has been men. And that's obviously, you know, those walls are, have been breaking down, obviously, now here more recently, ever more so than ever. Uh, but just the, the human being, first and foremost, he's second to none. And uh, uh, so yesterday was was an important day to try to continue to push the initiatives to find, find a way to eradicate this disease. So I know, I mean, you've got a lot of things going on at the stadium and you may have been bouncing back and forth and not caught everything that she was doing. But again, it's just a, as someone who knows her, I'm curious about you, what uh, some of the things that you saw, whether it was on the field, pregame presentation or, you know, bumping into her, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, between obviously the presentation on the field, you know, the one thing I always reflect more so on obviously is her, her family, um, you know, uh, you know, and then, you know, Booney's relationship with her, you know, because Booney, like you, you know, worked with her prior to us having Booney work for us again, you know, in a, in a managerial capacity now before we had him as a player, but, but, you know, it touches, you know, anybody that has a chance to know, you know, someone that's, you know, unfortunately been inflicted by this disease, you know, uh, obviously it, you know, it certainly, you know, hits close to home. So, so watching Booney, you know, and, and her family and, and that's, that's where it really tugs at your heart. And she is so strong and so brave for everybody else as she's battling through this, you know, but that's the one thing you notice how, how strong she is, how her interactions are so positive. Um, and everybody else, obviously, um, happy to see her. And, uh, you know, so I think I was reflecting a lot on, on Boone along with her and her family yesterday because of his working relationship he had with her prior to becoming the Yankees manager. This is a really cool thing that you guys did to honor Sarah. It's in the middle of what uh, is known as your hope week. Uh, And for those who haven't heard about this, can you just sort of explain the genesis of that? You know, who had the idea for it? I'm curious about that and, and what you try to accomplish in this time. Yeah. I mean, I obviously I go way back with the Yankees and I know, you know, we always like, I'd say all organizations try to, to be strong uh, members within the community. And, and I know the early iterations since I've been here, you know, you're, you know, they always, you know, 
George Steinbrenner was always writing a check and supporting a lot of programs, and they would culminate with a, like a pregame ceremony and a check at, at home plate, you know, which was vitally important and a huge difference maker for, for those. But Jason Zillow started that, and Brian Smith separately. You know, Zillow uh, especially, um, who's our, you know, essentially our vice president of media relations, you know, and Brian Smith's our director of community relations, they started talking more and more about getting outside the walls of Yankee Stadium and obviously still impacting with the financial side, but, you know, mixing up with the community. And and so Zillow hatched this idea about Hope Week where we could take that Yankee brand, which, you know, we call it the Yankee Universe, you know, which, you know, extends so far and wide, especially now in this times of social media, you know, and shine a light on others that are making a huge difference or can very well make a huge difference in the, in, in the community by shining a light on what they're doing or what they're going through to drive attention, awareness, and hopefully further funds to support, you know, a very important cause. And so that was, I think solely Jason Zillow's concept and idea in his department. And, uh, and it's expanded, obviously the Steinbrenner family got wholeheartedly behind it. And we've met so many amazing people, uh, doing amazing difference-making things in the community, and they deserve to be honored and recognized for their strength, their efforts, uh, uh, and obviously they're, they're, you know, they're wired in a way to give back to others, and they need to be acknowledged for it. So putting them on our platforms, um, you know, allows that to happen, whether it's the Yes Network, whether it's all the media, you know, the local newspapers covering it, and, and ESPN, and uh, it's so important. And so that Yankee brand, you know, obviously makes a difference, we hope, on the field with wins more than losses, but we also recognize that we can make a difference by uh, by taking the, the that Yankee universe and making them very much aware of real heroes in society and, and, and what they're doing or what they're going through. Yeah, and Taylor, I'm going to bring in here. Uh, what's really cool is that the players embrace this. And Taylor was texting us in our group text yesterday, Brian, when he saw Garrett uh, Cole interacting with Sarah in the way that he presented the jerseys to uh, the the signed shirts to to uh, to Sarah. That he almost feels like he's got to completely rethink his thinking of of, of Garrett because Taylor's a big Orioles fan. Oh gosh, Buster. Yeah, uh, Brian, I'm. You know, Garrett Cole, a, a bit of a thorn in, uh, you know, other baseball fan sides. Uh, so I'm not the biggest fan of his on the field, but, uh, you know, presenting the jersey and, uh, you know, being so welcoming to Sarah, really, it's it's made me think a lot of different things. I've got to reconsider. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you got to keep in perspective. I've been with the Yankees now as an intern since 86. And I can honestly tell you, and it's a transient, you know, industry, you know, obviously with free agency and trades and waiver claims and six year league free agency. You know, a lot of players play a lot of different players. Places. And I can honestly tell you, and I'm sure Buster the same way, covering you know, the, the, the population of people, players in this game are so special. They're great people. I mean, yeah, every now and then you might come across in a very rare occurrence someone that's not that way, but I'd say 99.9% of these people, even the arch enemies on other teams, are, you know, are amazing people and step up when necessary, you know, uh, you know, so many different times. So, you know, it's a really special, uh, group of obviously athletes, but people at the same time. And Garrett obviously would be one of them. All right. Uh, I want to ask you a few baseball questions before you go. Uh, one Aaron judge, uh, you know, it's interesting when you guys had the announcement when he initially got hurt and you know, what we were getting from the Yankees was we can't really put a timetable on it. When I was asked about that, because of course the, the media perception can sometimes be that you guys are being evasive. And I said, no, I, th- I think that's exactly what's going on. 
that they truly, given the nature of this injury, don't know exactly how long it's going to be, especially when you're talking about someone six foot seven, 282 pounds, and how that uh, his right foot is so important to what he does. Where are we with, with Aaron Judge now? And you're right on the money on that. We, I mean, first and foremost, we're in the largest media market in the world, so there's no way we can hide anything or, or mislead anybody, yeah, at least in, intentionally. Um, so the one thing we do is we always uh, under-promise and over-perform. So if a doctor tells me four to six weeks, we'll probably announce it eight to, eight to ten weeks just to give us a cushion, you know, so we don't get to deal with all the setbacks and stuff. But in some cases, like in Aaron Judge's case, we're dealing with a – a unique injury that we've never dealt with before. This is commonly known in, in the NFL, you know, turf toe. And, and, uh, and so it's hard to uh, assess a time frame on it. And I think in the NFL, depending on what your position, you can come back a little earlier. You know, I think maybe offensive linemen, and I, I might be misspeaking this, forgive me, but maybe an offensive lineman could come back, you know, sooner because their demands are different than a wide receiver or a punt returner. And, you know, somebody has to obviously do or a fullback where they're doing cuts and runs and, you know, um, you know, but where a lineman's more contained. So, so we're dealing with a very unique injury in the baseball world. So we've never really had to deal with that. And so, and then you're right, dealing with a physical specimen that's judges sides, you know, it's his back, you know, uh, load leg uh, as a hitter. Um, and clearly he has to run and play defense and run the bases and, and, uh, and everything that goes along with that. So the one thing that we've been encouraged by is that it, you know, it wasn't a surgically situation. It was, you know, it was uh, something that, you know, all, all doctors that got involved felt that we would get him back at a, a, a certain time, but no doctor could say when, you know, it, it, we're told it could be, you know, it could be four to six weeks. It could be longer. You know, it just depends on, you know, uh, on how he reacts, but you just need to get the pain and swelling out of there. And then it comes down to tolerance after that. But you need to make sure that the pain is pretty much as close to gone as possible so you don't have a reoccurrence of this injury. So so that's what we're waiting on. He is progressing. He's doing well. He's had two PRP injections. You know, so we're all encouraged that he's going in the right direction, but we still don't have a time frame on it. You've been through a lot of trade deadline conversations in the past, a lot of years of uh, evaluating the market. Uh, within that context, how would you describe the this 2023 market based on what you're hearing and how it's developing? Well, it's early. You know, I still think even though the draft has been moved back to the all-star break, I would say still generally people are starting to get conversations of what they are looking for or who might be available. Those might just touch points just getting started. Uh, a number of different teams that are a little bit, you know, on the outside right now, don't want to necessarily give up. So they're like, hey, let's have a conversation in about, you know, when we're around July 20th, we're in a holding pattern. But if, you know, clearly, you know, if things don't turn around sooner than later, we're going to have to switch from hope, hopeful to seller's mode. And and so you, you having that, like there's been obviously uh, one big transaction when Chapman went to Texas, uh, but I don't think that's reflective of how the industry is currently sitting I think a lot of teams are still focused on the draft, waiting to get past that draft, which is, you know, coming up soon. And, and then uh, I think, you know, it'll pick up thereafter. So, it, but teams are having conversations and, and if, Hey, if we could do something yesterday, we would have done it, but that's a reflection of also, you know, I'd say teams aren't really open to fully doing anything just yet. Do you think that by the time we get to the deadline, that there could be a, a burst of players and, and maybe some high end guys are going to be available? hard to say. I would say it's always probably yes on that. You know, um, 
seems like the last number of years is a flurry of activities, a lot of moves, a lot of transactions. Um, it feels right now going into it, true serum into me, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a great buyer's market, you know, currently, uh, and predictably, it, you know, it doesn't feel like it will be, uh, but then a lot can really change, you know, with how teams are playing and where they're sitting and, and when they have more honest dialogue with ownership about, you know, where they're sitting and what opportunities do exist and, and, and maybe what offers are being made and, and maybe some, you know, bigger names that, you know, you, you, you might be surprised could get moved, does get moved, but I don't know. We'll see. It's, again, it's early. It's premature, but, uh, but doesn't feel like a buyer's market just yet, but it doesn't mean it won't be. All right, Brian. Well, thanks for honoring Sarah and thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on and, uh, and take care. We mentioned how Sarah Langs was honored at Yankee Stadium yesterday. This was the sound of Garrett Cole, Yankees manager Aaron Boone, giving a presentation to Sarah Langs and giving her some news that surprised her parents. The team signed this shirt for you, Sarah. Oh, my God. So we'd like to present it to you on behalf of, uh, we'll give you a good look at it, oh on behalf of the squad. Thank you. Um, so this one's going to be yours. Thank you. And then this one, I believe we're going to auction. Mm-hmm. We're going to auction this off. Proceeds go to Project ALS. Yep. Yep. So that's pretty Thank cool. You. And then the third thing I have is Mr. and Mrs. Langs. You guys are throwing out the first pitch today. <laughs> yes. So training facility is all yours. We got hot stuff. We got bands. Let's go. Hot tub, cold tub, whatever you need. Yeah. But we gotta get it we, we gotta get it right. You know, we gotta get it right, okay? That's right. So we're very excited to have you and grateful that you're here. And obviously, Sarah, you. you are uh, extremely impactful in this uh, industry. And um, so we're just thrilled to have you and be able to honor you. Thank you so so much. And good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Derek Gould covers the St. Louis Cardinals and Major League Baseball with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And, Derek, this is not the season that I'm no. sure you anticipated. As you and I talked, the Cardinals at 35-50, and 50, 11 and a half games out of first place in the National League Central, which, generally speaking, I think people feel like it's the fifth best of the six divisions. Damning by wow. faint craze, right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's, running, it's in the running for sixth. How shocking is this? Let's go big picture. How shocking is this for you to watch this play out this year? Pretty shocking for all the things that could go wrong going wrong. Um, you know, you don't expect kind of, I guess they call it the perfect storm. Um, this is more of the imperfect storm, or as Adam Wainwright once put it, the, the perfect storm of horribleness um, that has kind of descended on this team, um, whether it's injuries or just you, you don't expect the the kind of rickety ragged defense that they've played. Um, you know, obviously Nolan Arenado went through a stretch where he couldn't find his swing. That you know slowed down the offense a little bit. Um, they do have a robust lineup. They do. They have some young players who are going to go through some young player learning curve. But overall, you, you know, the, the look of the lineup is fine. But their undoing, which we did expect and could see coming, is pitching. Um, they just haven't had effective or efficient pitching. Um, you know, they have 17 blown saves. They have very few quality starts. All of these things are related to the fact that they didn't really augment the pitching staff at all through free agency or trade this past year. This is the third year in a row where they started the year knowing that they had an innings deficit and thinking that they could fill it internally. They have not. They have not developed the pitchers recently. You think about some of the arms that coming out of the minor league system that they really thought would help carry them, help help fill some of these innings. Dakota Hudson is spent most of this season in AAA. He's likely headed back to the majors at some point, but he spent most of the season in AAA. Matthew Libertor has had the role in the rotation, but hasn't found the way to get deeper into games. All of these things are now kind of coalescing to drag the Cardinals down to the bottom of the NL Central. Yeah. It's it's been brutal to watch, and I, I don't think it's any more brutal. Nothing more brutal than watching Adam Wainwright pitch these days. And you know, uh, Derek, I was thinking about this. It re- really reminds me of the last year of David Cohn with the Yankees. It was very interesting. You know, in 1999, he throws a perfect game. Uh, you know, what's going to go down in history is one of the signature moments of his career. He was so important to that those teams, those championship teams. Not only in terms of the pitcher that he was, but also the clubhouse presence, the leadership. And in 2000, he was terrible, like right out of the gate, you know, to the point that, and I've never asked Coney about this, but I always wonder physically how right he was after that 99 perfect game. Uh, And in 2000, he was just awful, and he tried different things. He mixed it up. uh, But in the end, he just couldn't find it. He just didn't have the same stuff that he had before. And not only, you know, was he not effective as a pitcher – I also thought it was really hard and embarrassing for him to go through that. You know, a guy who's been so important along those lines. Tell me about uh, where the Cardinals stand with Adam Wayne right now. 
Yeah, I mean, they're concerned. Um, you know, he's going to go on the injured list. That transaction will go official today. He is bound for, at some point in time, meeting with the doctors in St. Louis to see if there's some kind of physical reason. He feels physically limited. Um, you know, the, the shoulder is sore. That is likely related. Um, and talking with him after this start here in Miami is likely related to what's been going on since spring, where he feels like he just doesn't have that drive off the pitching rubber with his leg. And so trying to generate velocity, trying to generate the snap um, to all of his pitches, trying to generate that finish, as he talked about, you know, is putting a strain on his shoulder um, and because the drive from the leg just isn't there. And that was something that he had in Jupiter, went off to the World Baseball Classic, thought that, you know, all right, that'll be a chance to kind of strengthen it and build it. And the adrenaline rush, he really, really, really wanted to pitch for Team USA at some point in time in his career that meant so much to him to represent the nation in some way. Um, and here was that opportunity. Then he starts the year on the injured list and used that as an opportunity to kind of rebuild the strength and, and find that, uh, that push, that explosiveness with his leg. Um, and then it's just been a search all season. You know, I mean, look, his curveball made him famous. His curveball made his career. His curveball will be written about in poems and votes. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be the Beowulf of St. Louis here in the future, just that curveball, especially the one he bent by Carlos Beltran. But it hasn't been there this year. It just ha- hasn't been the same pitch for him. And the search for it has been difficult for him. He finds it at times, but not for whole games. He could go out there and flip it a bunch um, to throw hitters off, but not if it doesn't have that snap. So. The Cardinals are concerned, um, but I will say this, Buster. Um, Adam left the ballpark yesterday, um, so Tuesday night, 4th of July, and his resolve was pretty strong. Um, you know, he's pretty, he's very blunt with us, um, and he's always one to take a lot of the responsibility um, or accountability, however you want to put it with his words, sometimes harsher, a lot like Paul Goldschmidt is, where they'll take the blame for a lot of stuff, um, even when, like, Look, man, they've been outscored 29 to 2 in his recent starts. That's not all him. You know, that's two runs of offense in the final inning of those two games. So, um, but he left resolved. He said, you know, his quote was, it's time to stop kidding myself and stop trying to talk myself into being the pitcher. It's time to get healthy and then return strong. Um, He wants that 200th win. He wants that finish that he watched Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols have. And that's the echo from yesterday is they talked to him during the game about, look, Albert Pujols was hitting whatever, 150 halfway through last season, and he closed out with history. Come back, close out with history. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for a plan going forward. Um, You know, and I mentioned the podcast, I think, last week. We were talking about, look, the most important thing was for them to have a plan, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to just hoping that it gets better because he's, you know, magically because he's Adam Wainwright. Um, so that, you know, that's a good sign. What's your expectation at this point? Look, I, the whole question of buy or sell at this point, Cardinals haven't even merited the idea that they would go out and be buyers. Uh, what do you foresee for them in terms of potential sales, uh, selling as they try to restructure the team retool for 2024? Yeah, that's a great way to put it retool. I mean, they are buyers for 2024. Um, you know, if they can jump the pitching market, go after some guys to, uh, to get them who will fill spots in the rotation and radically change their whole approach to, to pitching, they will look to do that. Um, so who do they sell? Well, they'll look at uh, 
what they can get for relievers. Um, you know, what the market is like for power relievers. You know, they got Jordan Hicks closing right now. He's a pending free agent, not likely to get a QO. Certainly somebody that the Cardinals would talk about, think about bringing back, but also recognize that, you know, they might get the most in return for him at this time of year. Um, Ryan Helsley's on the injured list. Giovanni Gallegos is pitching now. Those two have another year of control. So there's a compelling kind of comparison there between what the Yankees did with their harsh reset, you think, back in 2016. I'm not saying that the Cardinals have that level of Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman to move, but they could see some way to replenish what they're missing by making moves like that. Um, You know, Tyler O'Neill's off on his rehab assignment, you know, to offer clarity again for the outfield. Um, you know, they could look to move there. And then, of course, they've got Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty, two starting pitchers who are pending free agents. Now, the price for them is set, right? Like, if somebody wants them, they have to outbid what the Cardinals put a value on the qualifying offer. It's that simple. If you want a few months of Jordan Montgomery or you want a few months of Jack Flaherty, conversation has to start with what the Cardinals feel is greater than the return they'll get for offering those guys a qualifying offer. So the bonus money and the draft pick. So, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll listen to what's available, what, what, what teams have to offer for some of that. Um, but they also know that trading a starter only creates more of a sinkhole where they already are at. All right, uh, I'm going to broaden out a little bit here. Let's talk about the Mike Trout injury that took place two days ago. He takes a swing. He, uh, you could see he was in pain. Uh, he told reporters after the game he never experienced like, anything like that. He's diagnosed with a broken hamate. Uh, you would assume he's probably going to have surgery to remove that, to fix that. Uh, it's an interesting injury because it happens, it feels like on a regular basis in baseball with this bone that is deemed as not being, not being, having playing a role in the functionality of hitters. Uh, but the angels now have to wait for Mike Trout to come back. And I mean, you and I probably have seen players come back six to eight weeks with the X factor being how each individual hitter responds with their wrist, mm-hmm. uh, through the rehabilitation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those hands and feet, right? That's what I always try to keep in mind. We all think about, like, the torso and, you know, the larger muscles and larger part of the body. But when it comes to hitters, it's, you know, hands and feet, hammock bone and grip strength. And then you think about, like, Ryan Howard and Alan Craig with the foot injuries that they had or Albert Pujols with the plantar fasciitis that he played through and had to change his swing, um, change his stance to, to compensate. And, you know, hands and feet as far as, like, you know, as a hitter, I always pay attention to like, how do they come back from that and how difficult it is? You know, we see that like grip strength is such a factor. Um, the way, I mean, you just think about like 20, 30 years here, Buster, you've been around the clubhouse, um, as a B rider and, you know, I have as well the difference in how they measure grip strength and how it became like a thing. Um, you know, this is all part of like what they, the hand health that a hitter needs. I, I think it's really interesting. Everybody comes back differently from it. Um, but everybody is impacted by that early return to just what they can get from the strength of their hand. A month ago, when you talked to sources inside the Angels organization, outside, everybody had the same thought. There's no chance they're trading Otani because Artie Moreno made it clear in spring training that if the Angels are competitive, he's not, and they have a chance to make the playoffs for the first time since 2014, he's not going to trade Otani. Uh, even with Trout out, even if Anthony Rendon, we find out later today that that foul ball he took off his shin, that's a serious injury, yet another injury to an Angels infielder. I don't think they're going to veer off that path 
for two reasons. One, uh, I think they want to take every opportunity to show Otani that maybe they can make the playoffs. And let's face it, when you're in a wild card field, you're not talking about dominant teams that they're chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and who knows uh, what's happened with that. But the other thing, too, is that it would take some balls. Man. It would take some guts. I mean, quite frankly, to trade Otani uh, if you're already Moreno because you don't want to deliver that guy out of town. What's your instinct? Yeah, my feel is that like a trade of Otani, you know, you're never going to get the return that he's right. worth to you. There's just no way for you to get, you know, for you to take the PR hit, let alone the baseball hit, to the to that would make it make sense. I like that you you describe like their chances of the playoffs. You know, they're they're always out there now with the expanded playoff and. You know, count me in the camp that if you get into the playoffs, anything can happen, especially if you get health. I mean, I saw that. You go back to 2006, right, with the 83-win Cardinals. They eke into the playoffs. But then they got healthy. They had a bandaged up and ready David Eckstein. And Jim Edmonds was kind of pushing through things after having missed a whole bunch of time. Um, And they found a way to win in sort of the wild roulette wheel of playoff baseball. We saw it with the Phillies this past year. The Phillies rally in, in one inning against the Cardinals and then storm off to the National League pennant because they had the right mix of pitching and they got healthy and effective at the, at the right time. So I think, you know, you have to hold out hope. I, I find it interesting, too, the way you mentioned that it's a sales pitch to Otani. Certainly, like, you trade him, it's over, right? And, and what does that mean for his time with the Angels? In a way, it becomes a lot like it was with Albert Pujols, remembered for his departure, not for his presence. And, man, you don't want that. You want Otani remembered for his presence with the Angels. And if he can find a way to elevate you into the postseason, then that's a shared success that even if he leaves as a free agent, leaves a different kind of image of his time there. Yeah, I heard a story that last year when the front office of the Angels prepared some possibilities to trade Otani and they presented it to Artie, Artie kind of went crazy. Like, what are you doing? No chance. Because there's a marketing thing going on. And and yes, you can make a baseball, a a legitimate baseball argument to recoup value for Otani potentially uh, in a trade. And you might actually get more value than what we would expect. Because the market is thin and you would have teams like the Yankees involved and maybe they would pay a high price. But I mean, how many times, and and you and I have both written paragraphs about an impending free agent. So one option is for the team to trade the player away and then sign him back. Besides a role Chapman, I can't come up with many examples where that actually happened. Because you're right, it does always feel like the door is slammed, especially in Otani's case when we know the Dodgers want him, the Giants want him, the Mariners want him, the Mets want him. All these teams are going to go after him. And teams that are committed to making the playoffs and not a team that is sending the message that by trading you, we're not going to reach the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's like a preemptive reminder that, okay, here, once again, you won't be going to October with us. So don't think that that's part of our plans for now or the future. I mean, it just sends that message, whether it's true or not. All right. Uh, last one for you. Uh, the Home Run Derby is on Monday. It's on our air uh, where you have the Home Run Derby uh, announcements coming out later today with the last two guys in the field. Um, there is some speculation around Adolis Garcia and whether or not he might be in there. Randy Rosarain is already in there. These are former Cardinals who are, you know, <laughs> it, would, it would be amazing if those two guys are in this field. It also includes guys like Pete Alonso, Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, 
how hard is that going to be, you think, for Cardinals executives to watch those two guys in the Derby? Because they know that that's going to be the conversation in St. Louis. How hard will it be or how hard should it be? Because it should be a complete audit of what they've done here over the last few years. And it's not just the trades. It's the fact that neither of those guys got much of a run. Um, with the Cardinals. They both got to the majors. They both had their moments. They both had their struggles and they both then were replaced and traded. Um, you know, they really didn't get the opportunity here. And, and I think in a lot of ways it, it strikes at this modern era for the Cardinals and how they have tried to straddle that fence of being a development team without offering the opportunity for players to develop and be a contending team without going out and spending the like super amount of money, though, though they have a pretty good payroll and they did trade for Arenado, who added a lot to their payroll, um, even with the rebate from uh, the Colorado Rockies. But, you know, they, they just haven't, they haven't committed to one side or the other. They haven't cleared the way, they have cleared the way for some opportunity, like oh, guys, and just haven't gotten the return. And they haven't identified the guys who have then gone on and maximized the opportunities elsewhere. This is, this is a fascinating week coming up for the Cardinals and the Cardinals fans because they have the could have been Cardinals all-stars and not just in the home run derby, but Zach Gallen is there um, as a pitcher for Arizona. Um, you know, he was part of the Marcelo Zuna trade and you look and the Cardinals are, you know, I mean, they're hungry for pitching like that and they had him. Um, he's straight out of central casting for the Cardinals college draft pick, you know, just like so many of the other guys before him. Um, and they, they, they needed the cleanup hitter. Um, to get Marcelo Zuna, and then they learn later that, okay, well, they had Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena already in the system and just didn't free up the same opportunity for those two that say they did for Tyler O'Neill or say they did for Harrison Bader. And Harrison Bader goes out and win a gold glove, and then they have to trade him for the starting pitching that they didn't get through the system. So it's this, like, series of, you know, basically, it's like that old game mousetrap, and they've just had it collapse on them. It's, it's the Rube Goldberg of rosters, and every switch they took, it just felt like the marble plummeted, and now they're just in a trap looking up at the stars they created for other teams. 30 seconds. Tell me real quick what went wrong for each of those guys in the Cardinals organization because, yeah, they were traded for – I mean, they, they uh, in Rosa Rainey's case, it's not like they didn't get anything in return in right. particular – um, what were the concerns about those two individual players when the Cardinals organization at the time they moved on from them? So a lot of it had to do with defense and, um, you know, the Cardinals were at a time you'll recall this, this all relates to the same season where they, um, you know, or the same series of seasons where they fired Mike Matheny, they moved on to Mike Schilt. Then they were back in contention and trying to sort things out. And they really doubled down on defense. Um, another player who's out, um, performing well for another team is Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas was coming yeah. on strong for the Cardinals. Um, he got hit by a pitch right as he was about to be the starting center fielder for a long stretch for them. When he went on the IL, the Cardinals had two choices. They had Harrison Bader and Randy Rosarain as the likely fill-ins for them. Shilton, the Cardinals, they opted to double down on defense. They were really struggling to score runs. Randy had hit at every level. But their thought was that their best route to secure a path into the postseason was to just do what they did well and find ways to score runs, but assure that they had run prevention. So they sided with defense. 
and that was Harrison Bader, who, I mean, you can't fault that, right? Elite center fielder. But that took away playing time for Randy Rosarena, and he didn't get the run. Um, same with Adoles Garcia, a little bit different. Um, a lot of swing and miss in his game. A lot of power there. Um, you know, the Cardinals, again, were trying to find some consistent offense. Not, you know, they had plenty of inconsistent offense and felt like that was going to be where he fit in. Um, then it became a bit of a roster crunch, and this is probably where the decision was made that was uh, that, that cost them is that they were they wanted to move the scale back a few years. They wanted to go to a guy who didn't have to be protected, didn't have to go on the forty man. So they made the move, and the Rangers, who had a scout who was very interested in Adolis Garcia, the Rangers who were hungry for right handed power. If you remember at the time, they were just accumulating right handed power. Thought, well, why not take a flyer on this guy and got him for cash. Um, I also want to add, Buster, though, that Randy Rosarena specifically deserves a lot of credit for adding strength um, yeah. during quarantine. The the player that emerged in 2020 and had that remarkable postseason run, that Randy Rosarena was, you know, I mean, he was supercharged, Randy Rosarena, from the guy who was with the Cardinals. He, You know, I talked with him. I know a lot of folks did. He spent that time in quarantine adding on strength, um, adding on muscle, adding on power that then added to the hit skill that he already had. So I think, I think he deserves a lot of credit. When we talk about like development and opportunity, we also should acknowledge like when a player takes ownership of his career and changes it um, beyond what a team saw because he, he maximized his time. Randy deserves a lot of credit in that regard. All right, Derek, I appreciate it. Uh, you'll have a lot to write about when we get at Seattle. Always do. Yeah, a lot of what could have been to write about. What ifs? I got a lot of what ifs stories to write. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. Just a quick one here. The starting block, he writes in, I think about this time uh, a player gets hit on the hand uh, and it reminds me of Estrada out for six weeks. So is there any reason baseball players don't wear cricket type gloves to better protect their hands when hit by pitches? Some players do. Uh, you'll see some players wear that. And by the way, you know, this is an injury, the handmade bone, which seems to happen on a fairly regular basis in baseball. And I texted a couple of general managers this morning and said, did you guys ever have conversations about sort of preemptively taking out handmade bones, which again, what you hear from medical people is they're not very important in the functionality of the player's hands. You ever think about taking those uh, handmade bones out early in an off season so you don't lose players to an injury like this? And both of them are like, no, we've never discussed that. <laughs> Buster going full Frankenstein over there. I know. There. Yeah, I, I know. Sorry about that. I love it. All right, last one for today. Hillel Kreef, the arm barn, writes in, who are the biggest bats that are going to get moved at the trade deadline? Any surprises? Yeah, I think there will be some surprises because we talked about the, the teams in the Central just sort of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, at some point, they're going to have to declare themselves one way or the other. Cody Bellinger of the Cubs is a big name. Um, I, I don't think Otani's going to get moved. I really don't because we talked about how it would basically slam the door on his time at the Angels. But you know what? Every day we're going to be asking the question, is Otani out there and available in the marketplace? There you have it. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games. Thanks for writing in, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to Brian Cashman, to Derek Gould, Sarah and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And we mentioned Lou Gehrig's famous speech made at Yankee Stadium on July 4th. Give a listen, everybody. For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad break. 
Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. When you look around, wouldn't you consider it privilege to associate yourself with such a fine-looking man as is standing in uniform in this ballpark today? That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.